Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Matt Smethers to the podcast. Matt is a managing editor of the Gospel Coalition and is also an elder at Third Avenue Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Matt, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Thanks, Jason. Good to be here. Yeah, great to have you in the studio and on campus today. You uh, preached in chapel earlier today uh, when we were recording from 1 Corinthians 13. Thank you for that exposition. Very well done, very well received, and it's been good to have you on campus. And uh, have you back? You were here a couple years ago, you said? Yeah, I was at the For the Church conference in 2015, I think. Okay, wonderful. And is that, you were in the group that went to, out to the Kauffman Stadium, saw the Royals play? That's and, right. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. yeah, I think I remember that. I was, with, I was with a diehard Royals fan, so Colin Hansen, my colleague and, and uh, boss at TGC, uh, we got to go to the Royals Hall of Fame, which was a, a big deal for him that day. Yeah, Colin, is a, he is a diehard Royals fan, and so, so am I. The Allen family, we go, to, we go to many games every year, probably 15 or so games every year we go to. In fact, during our kids' spring break last week, we were down in Phoenix for a few days and took in a couple of Royals spring training games down there. So, so I Excellent. share Colin's affection for the Royals. And uh, remember, I remember our, our evening out then a couple years ago. We're here in the studio today. We're talking about the pastor and writing and uh, obviously picking up on your role, the Gospel Coalition, Matt. But before we get into that, um, just give us a word of update on you, your family situation, uh, stage of life, your, your ministry there with Gospel Coalition, anything at Third Avenue or in Louisville that we would find of interest. Yeah, well, I'm married to uh, my beautiful wife, Megan, and we have three little kids. Uh, a six-year-old girl, a four-year-old girl, and an almost two-year-old boy. So life is full on the home front. We are in, in the little years for sure. And uh, I've been working with the Gospel Coalition now for uh, seven years. I've had kind of various roles over the years. I was the book review editor, and then now I'm the managing editor, and, which means that I'm overseeing the daily content production. So articles, interviews, podcasts, videos, everything that we publish on a daily basis I'm kind of helping to lead and manage the the team of editors. And things are going well at TGC. We have several events coming up, and uh, we're excited about that. And then, yeah, I serve as an elder at Third Avenue Baptist Church in Louisville, uh, where Greg Gilbert is the senior pastor. Some of you listeners may be familiar with some of his books, What is the Gospel, Who is Jesus, and such. Uh, but that's just been a huge joy to get to teach and preach and shepherd God's people. Yeah, Greg is a, a great friend, an old friend, and uh, doing a great job there at Third Avenue. So just, again, at the kind of the, the bigger, at the more macro level with the Gospel Coalition in your role there, as far as not just you, but but the Gospel Coalition as a whole, how would you kind of allocate the ministry input as relates to events like the major conferences, the website? I mean, how do you assess the Gospel mm-hmm. Coalition footprint and basically its contribution to, to evangelicalism? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I think the answer is different now than it maybe would have been 10 years ago. I think 10 years ago, if you, if you ask someone, what is the Gospel Coalition, if they knew, they would say, oh, it's a conference, right? It's just, it's just T4G in the off year. Whereas now, I think if you ask someone, what is TGC, they first think a website. And so, uh, you know, I've sometimes thought of it in terms of three Cs, the council, uh, content, and conferences. And w- w- at this point, we're doing even more than that. But legally speaking, the Gospel Coalition is the council, mm-hmm. about 50 pastors uh, who gather together and give instruction and oversight and direction to the organization. Uh, Don Carson is our president. Tim Keller is our vice president. But then we have this this website, which by God's grace has really grown, um, thanks in large part to the, the leadership of Colin 
and uh, we have a team of editors, everything. We have various channels, so we're trying to basically apply the gospel to all of life, whether faith and work, arts and culture, ministry, Bible and theology, um, current events, Christian living, and then conferences. We, we're doing both regional events, and uh, we have a national conference every other year and a women's conference in uh, every other year, national women's conference. And so it's just been fun to see how things have expanded and how, in, in a lot of ways, we're, we're an institute an institution that's trying to serve a movement. Mm-hmm. We we want to serve the the this evangelical movement, but specifically by focusing on local churches. TGC is not on the front lines. Churches are on the front lines. Pastors are on the front lines, and, and we want to equip and resource them and be a trusted place that they can direct their church members to. That's good. Well, and I asked the question when I did because I remember those early early days of the Gospel Coalition. And I was in serving at Southern Seminary with Al Moeller in the president's office. And I remember a conversation or two about, you know, kind of like, where's TG's going to go? And, the, of course, T4G started in 06. And so, yeah. you know, a similar time horizon. And um, I remember, you know, TGC aspiring to make more contributions just in that that periodic conference, that off-year conference, as you said. So that's good to hear. Good to hear yeah. what you guys are doing. and appreciate uh, your work very much. As it relates to your work, uh, how did you get into your role? I mean, tell me, you went to seminary, were you thinking you'd be a pastor at this stage of life, or had you always enjoyed writing and editing and were looking for a ministry-type role in that genre, or, or what happened? Yeah, well, I'm I'm 34. I When I went to seminary, I assumed that by 34, I would be, yeah, serving as a, as a senior pastor in a church, and that's still what I'd, I'd love to do one day. But the opportunity with TGC just kind of fell in my lap. And uh, I worked part-time for TGC my final year of seminary. And then when I graduated, they brought me on full-time. And so it's, it's just been a great opportunity because it's enabled us to remain in Louisville, uh, invested in our church, because all of us editors work remotely. And it's just been exhilarating to get to, to serve alongside really gifted people and see the Lord use us to bless churches. So you're a pastor. Uh, you serve as an elder at Third Avenue Baptist Church. So you're serving in and fulfilling a pastoral function there, pastoral role there. Uh, you've spoken of your calling and some of your longer-term ambitions and desires and the fact that you maybe seven or eight years ago would have thought you'd be pastoring by now. So my point in that is to say both these are kind of together in your heart. It's kind of like for me, theological education and pastoral ministry mm-hmm. both have been two parallel tracks in my life. And it sounds like for you, pastoral ministry and writing, whether it's yourself writing or managing and editing content that others have written— uh, both those are there in parallel tracks for you. So I, I guess on the writing side, have you always enjoyed writing? When did you sense that that gift in yourself? When did you begin to, to practice that? Yeah, well, I've, I've never been formally trained as a writer, but my mom um, studied English at William & Mary. And so growing up, I think I just sort of absorbed a lot uh, from her without even realizing it. So she would always proofread my papers growing up. And I just think I probably learned more from her than I even realized. And I've always enjoyed words and, and working with words, and, and, and so the ability to, to write and to help shape others' writing and voice is, uh, is something that, that gives, gives me a lot of life. And would you say, in as much as you know and are able to evaluate your own writing, would you say there's a particular gift you have? You know, are, are you pithier than others? Are you clearer than others? Uh, I don't know. Do you have any particular gift or particular ability or particular approach that, that maybe you feel is a, a bit distinct? Uh, it would be hard for me to to uh, identify anything in particular. I find myself, you know, I, I don't feel like I've arrived as a writer. I, I'm not an established writer. I've only published one thing, a Bible study with Crossway on First and Second Thessalonians. So in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm learning every week as I'm editing other writers, both the good ones and the not so good ones. Mm-hmm. I think I'm learning how to better 
uh, shape my own voice. So as we're speaking of today, the pastor in writing, and as we continue to kind of make your, make our way through this topic together, I want to just touch on different aspects of that and encourage those listening today. This podcast primarily is listened to by preachers, by those engaging in local church ministry. And uh, the case that, uh, that I would like for us to make is that uh, every pastor really is a writer. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to put a, an asterisk there because I have to say, you know, what does that look like? It doesn't mean every pastor is writing blog articles every week or writing books every year or even writing you know, newsletters to their church. But even the craft of a sermon itself, in a sense, is writing. I mean, even if you're not writing a full manuscript, you're, you're, you're working with words. You're yep. engaging with words, not just words spoken, but words written as well. And so the point in the following minutes and throughout this podcast is not to make every pastor or every minister or every seminary student who doesn't have a personal website to feel like they're failing the ministry. That, that's not the point at all. In fact, the world probably has a few too many websites, not a, too, mm-hmm. uh, a few uh, too few. But, but at the same time, to say, look, if you're a pastor, if you're a minister, you are living in the world of words, whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not. How do you do that better? How do you, how do, you do that in a more compelling way? How do you do that in a, in a clearer way? And so, so yeah, those who are listening, be, be listening for some of, those, uh, the, the, some of those sentiments, some of those thoughts, some of that advice coming through. So, so with that, Matt, let me just ask this question for those listening. In addition to what I just said, why should pastors write? Well, I think you're exactly right that pastors are already writers. Uh, It's sort of like how every Christian is a counselor. It's just a question of, are you a good one, right? Every every Christian is a theologian. It's just a question of, are you a good one? Well, well, every pastor certainly is a writer, and you use the word craft. I think that's a good word because we, I believe, need to recapture the sermon as a work of art. In many ways, it is. Now, I, I understand not everyone manuscripts their sermon, even if you're going into the, the pulpit with a, a note card. The reality is that you have given thought to shaping your words. And be, as people of the word, we are in, uh, we, we traffic in the currency of words. This is, this is our calling to be people of the word, people who use words to minister to others. And so it's important for pastors in particular to become increasingly wordsmiths, masters of words for the sake of God's people. Matt, let's take just a break for a word of update from Midwestern Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's 81-hour Master of Divinity degree prepares you for ministry today and tomorrow. Midwestern Seminary's flagship degree program is our primary track for ministry preparation. Requiring only 81 credit hours, the MDiv program is an efficient option for students, equipping them to serve the church in pastoral ministry. Residential students will be trained in a unique community environment passionately focused on the local church. Online students can earn the full degree without leaving their current ministry contact. Come be a part of one of the fastest growing seminaries in North America as we develop a new culture of discipleship devoted to the local church and committed to taking God's unchanging word into a rapidly changing world. Visit mbts.edu slash mdiv today. All right, I'm back here with Matt talking about the pastor and writing. You preached today in chapel at Midwestern Seminary. How extensive were your notes in the pulpit? I had a manuscript. She had a manuscript. Well, yeah. I couldn't tell it. You, cl- you clearly were not reading it. So kudos to you for having internalized it. Um, so so you, you have pretty much manuscripted that out. So you're, you're pretty extensive. Do you always preach with a manuscript, or is that um, your common practice? It's my common practice um, on like a, in like a Sunday morning context. Um, when, I, when I'm speaking to college students or at some kind of men's retreat or something like that, I, I will often use just more detailed notes. 
And when I teach a Sunday school class, sometimes I, I have little to no notes at all. So it just kind of depends on the context and how familiar I am with the material. So in your own experience, and then we'll zoom out and speak more broadly, is there a connection between writing a good sermon manuscript and, and preaching a good sermon? Absolutely. Now, I, the, the, the obvious qualifier is that not everyone should manuscript their sermons because so many people, I think, sacrifice uh, connection on the altar of precision. And uh, for, you know, if, if you're going to do that, might as well just email it to the church, mm -hmm. right? If all we're supposed to do is be precise, then just email your manuscript. No, there's something in the preaching event which is a, that, that is dynamic and interactive. And so uh, anyone who feels sort of tied to their manuscript, I would encourage to force themselves to, to, to become less so. Um, but I do think that it's whether you take a manuscript into the pulpit or not, it is important to have given thought, careful, con, you know, considered thought to how you're going to say things, how you're not going to say things. Uh, because it, it, as one person once said to a Puritan, why do you have to be so precise? And his reply was, we serve a precise God. Mm, that's good. That's good. And boy, I like what you said. You know, I'm do my PhD in preaching. I teach homiletics here as time permits. And uh, you're right. Connection is important. Precision is more important, but connection means a great deal. Yep. And just to kind of get up and fumble through a manuscript or read a manuscript without engaging the people before you, man, that, that is always striking out in the pulpit. Mm -hmm. So let's say a, a person is listening to this, you know, pastor listening to this, and they're wondering, okay, how can I improve my writing? What would your counsel to them be? My first counsel would be... If you want to become a better writer, become a better reader mm -hmm. and uh, become a voracious reader and read widely. So read read in theology and pastoral ministry and Christian living, but also read uh, read biographies, read in, uh, you know, historical genres, read, you know, a book like Cal Newport's Deep Work in mm -hmm. kind of the entrepreneurial productivity genre. Uh, read widely and and life is short, right? So we don't have a, we don't have time to read bad books uh, unless we have to for some reason. So so be um, don't be reactive in your reading life. Be proactive. Figure out uh, you know solicit recommendations from people and make sure that what you're reading is going to help your own pro your own prose sing and your own sermons sing. So read good writers. So let's say for for pastors, maybe they're listening and they've kind of always aspired to write. I mean, everyone's a hypothetical writer, mm -hmm. right? And uh, life's been busy, ministry's been busy, raising kids, pastoring a church, and all the um, the challenges and things that go with life. They find themselves now with, with a little more margin. Maybe the kids are out of the house. Mm -hmm. Maybe the church is in a, a nice rhythm. And they're wanting to write more. So you have kind of the ultimate the ultimate fruition of that desire, which would be a published book. Mm -hmm. Then you have a whole lot of different things before that. Well, as you know, and I know, and uh, our listeners may not know, is that there are a lot of different steps between an idea or desire to write and a published book, and it is actually very difficult to get a book published. So maybe flesh out a touch somewhere between the desire to write and a published book, the different venues, different opportunities, the different ways to, to utilize that gift to, uh, to write, the different contexts in which one can write, and then how maybe as one grows and has a bigger platform or has a, 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 a more refined gift for writing that could ultimately result in, you know, publishing opportunities more formally as through a book. Yeah, well, the reality is that most pastors listening to this podcast are never going to write a book, and that is okay. Right. That's a, that's a good thing. I mean, you don't, 
you are not, um, you don't have some kind of JV ministry because you're not a published author. In fact, one thing I've I've learned in in kind of the publishing world is that is that not all writers are authors, and also not all authors are writers, and so it's important to strive to become a good writer before you think about becoming an author. Uh, if the Lord opens that door, great, but you know, be faithful with what He's given you now, which may be just a little church newsletter, right? Uh, I think that you know Kevin DeYoung has given this advice. He he said. Try to even write well in emails, like in mm. text messages. Just learn, you know, force yourself to uh, become become uh, fluent, become, have a facility with saying things clearly and with with a punch when, when you're able. And so, um, and all, and another thing I'll mention is that writing is unique. Even if it's a newsletter, even if it's a journal, even if it's a blog, um, it is something that will outlive you. Writing is a way that you can leave a legacy for those who come behind you, both for your church family and for your actual family. And so think about uh, sort of how what you write today could benefit people 50, 100 years from now. You want to be timely, but you also need to be think about, think about how, how can I write something that's timeless and therefore relevant to any, any age. Francis Bacon famously said, reading maketh a full man conference a ready man, and writing an exact man. And back to writing in the manuscript, there, there is a precision in words that, that oftentimes can only come out through that discipline of actually writing a manuscript. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm loath to read a manuscript over the years more times than not. I've actually taken a full manuscript in the pulpit, though have sought to not, not lean on it too heavily. There's something about that discipline of typing it out, of writing it out, that, that it brings about clarity. It brings about exactness. And so I, I guess, again, I don't want to over, overly principalize this, but even for the, the average minister listening, I mean, I just want to lean in a little bit more to encouraging our listeners to have more sermon notes than less, have something more resembling a manuscript than less. And if you've hammered it out, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and there's a manuscript, you've hammered it out, you internalize it, you know the text backwards and forwards. The point is not, therefore, you have to read it, but that discipline of expressing it in a thorough and clear way, I mean, it is invaluable. Would you agree? It's incredibly invaluable, and it will serve you in the future, because if you've written things down, there are going to be times in your ministry where you're going to need to draw from material you've given previously, and there's nothing worse than knowing that you've thought really carefully about something and and given a lot of thought to it and kind of come to, you know, a firm mind on something, but you don't have anything to show for it. You can't find anything you've written down. Yeah, it's a huge resource. And for me, and there are times, you know, again, I've been preaching for nearly 20 years now. And, you know, so what do I believe about Romans 7? What do I believe about this text? What was my understanding of what that text meant? And being able to go back and review my sermon notes from eight years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, and mm-hmm. actually see the conclusion I came to, and then through copious notes, why I landed there is an incredible resource for me. It is. And it's for every minister. Look, time is flying by here, Matt. I do want to just ask you a couple more questions before we tidy up the conversation. Uh, what are some cautions you would give to pastors in their writing? Uh, just any word of caution? Don't try to do too much. You know, C.S. Lewis famously said that that write, good writing boils down to one thing, and that's clarity, right? Uh, and if if I, I think that he used an image, it maybe it was sheepdogs or something, but it, but if someone's able to basically make their way off the path, get distracted, misunderstand, they're going to. So close up 
all the sort of gaps and the gates which may allow people's imaginations to run and just be clear. And uh, also write in a way that, um, as much as you're able, in a way that, that is, is beautiful. So we talk about the, the triad of virtues, truth, beauty, and goodness. And I think um, a lot of people in our circles and in the evangelical world value, rightly value truth. Uh, but in writing and in preaching, we should also value beauty. That you know, Titus talks about how how our lives ought to adorn the gospel. Our lives are not the gospel, but but they should adorn the gospel. And in the same, you know, we are we are delivering the most um, the most sacred treasure to people through our sermons and, and through our writings. And so we should labor to 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 make that prose sing, to make it um, to make it come alive. And not in a kind of forced way. We're not uh, performers, and yet we we want we want it to penetrate people's hearts as much as possible by the by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's well said. Thank you for the conversation today, Matt. One last question before we tidy this up. Uh, for those listening, that man, they get an article that is firing their bones, and they're thinking, "I'd really love to submit that to the Gospel Coalition." Yeah. Um, first of all, is that possible? Second of all, if it is, to whom should they send that submission, or how should they send that submission? Yeah, they, they can uh, certainly submit that to the Gospel Coalition. We um, About half of what we publish is stuff that has been pitched to us that we've accepted. Um, there's a, a email address, inquiries at thegospelcoalition.org, that you can email with your, with your pitch. And uh, don't be offended if, if we turn it down for any number of reasons. But, uh, you know, earlier I was saying if you want to become a good writer, become a good reader. Well, the second thing is just write. Mm-hmm. So read widely and well and write and write often, and, and you'll find that muscle being built. And I would echo that for the For the Church website here, managed by Jared Wilson. Uh, we take submissions. We get a load of submissions. We use some of those, some of those we don't. But uh, if you are familiar with the For the Church website, you're listening to this podcast, so you probably are, and there's something that you really want to express in written form and you think it could fit well with our website, please do send that along. And I believe you can find the submissions tab there at the uh, For the Church website. So thank you so much, Matt, for the conversation today. And Godspeed to you and your family and uh, all that he's entrusted to you. Thank you for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, please visit my website, jasonkallen.com.